It's not about habits, but it's about beliefs. It starts with beliefs. Be, do, have, as opposed to do, have, be, which is what most people operate with. The idea of do, have, be, which is incorrect, is this. If I do the things, then I will have the things, and then I will become that person, right? If I do the sales calls, then I will have the money, and then I will be the successful person. No, it's the other way around. Be, be that person now. Be that person inside of you. Be the person who makes the sales calls. Be the person who, they're supposed to do 10 sales calls a day, I do 15. Be the person now. Welcome to another episode of Success Through Failure. This is your host, Jim Harshaw Jr. And today we're going to be talking about two ways to get yourself to do what you don't want to do. Or maybe you want to do it, but you just can't quite seem to get yourself over the hump, over the hurdle to do it or just to do it consistently. So we're going to be talking about that today. Now, here we are in the the seventh month of quarantine or of dealing with the pandemic. There's a lot of things that we want to do, a lot of things that we want to be more consistent with. And, you know, this is the time to do it. Uh, Maybe because you're busier than ever. So you need to really focus in on those things that you want to be consistent with. Or maybe you're not busy. Maybe it's the opposite for you. Maybe you have a lot of extra time and you're by yourself and there's this thing that you want to do. So for whatever reason, Whatever time you're listening, maybe you're listening to this off in the future in this pandemic, it's like this long forgotten history and uh, you still want to get yourself to do something. This is important. This is relevant for you. So let's dive in. I'm going to first share with you some stories about this before I reveal the first one. And I want you to see if you can figure out what I'm talking about here. So there's a, a great story by the late, great speaker, Zig Ziglar, speaker and author. And he always talks about the day before vacation. The day before you go on vacation, you get so much done, right? You have so much to do because you have to say you're going on vacation for a week and you know that you're not going to be in the office or at work for the next week. So you have to get it all done. And somehow you do. You know, you might have 10 or 12 hours of work to do that day, but you find a way to get it done. In an eight-hour day, you get everything done. Why is that? Here's another example I want to give you. Creating this business, this business that I created over the course of the last five or six years, it was a lot of work. It was waking up early, 5 a.m. in the morning. I wasn't a morning person, but I started waking up at 5 a.m and working for a couple of hours on my business. And then whenever I had time on my lunch break, I would work on this. Whenever I was driving or commuting, I would find time and energy to work on this because I knew what this meant. I knew what this business meant to the world with the people who I was helping and that I could help if I really grew this business and and got to the point where I could really go all in and and live this as my career. Uh, I knew the freedom that it would provide for my family. And and we got to live some of that out. This past summer, we went to Montana for six weeks and Cape Cod for a couple of weeks. And it was just normal. It's kind of an easy thing to do now. So it provided this freedom and this flexibility. Also financially, I knew that it could provide financially for my family as well. And that's, you know, my family is my second top value. Number one is faith. Number two is my family. So these are things that are really important to me. And I was able to live these out, do these really hard things. But why? Have you ever heard those stories about how a mom lifted a car off of her child who was pinned underneath? 
we've heard these stories and you kind of wonder if they're true or not, right? But there's a term for it. It's called hysterical strength, hysterical strength. There's a story that I'll give you a couple of examples, because if you go to Wikipedia and look this up, there's a ton of examples. I just read you a couple real quick. 1962, Jack Kirby claims that he saw a woman lift a car off of her baby, and that inspired him to create the Hulk, the Incredible Hulk. And when I was a kid, I loved The Incredible Hulk. It was my favorite show on TV. I wanted to be Lou Ferrigno, who's the actor who played The Incredible Hulk. Uh, actually, one of my dad's coworkers was also a bodybuilder and knew he was friends with Lou Ferrigno. And I was supposed to meet him. This was like, I was going to be such a huge thing, such a big deal for me to meet Lou Ferrigno. Never came to fruition, but nevertheless, the Incredible Hulk was my favorite TV show when I was a kid. I used I have pictures of me when I was like six and eight years old, like flexing with like my underoos, my red and yellow underoos on flexing. And it's just ridiculous. I thought I was going to be a bodybuilder when I grew up. But there, that's one story of hysterical strength. Here's another one. 1982, Lawrenceville, Georgia. Tony Cavallo was repairing a 1964. I'm reading this, by the way, directly from Wikipedia. Repairing a 1964 Chevrolet Impala automobile from underneath. The vehicle was propped up with jacks, but it fell. Cavallo's mother, Miss Angela Cavallo, lifted the car high enough and long enough for two neighbors to replace the jacks and pull Tony from beneath the car. That's insane. Here's another one. This is from 2012 in Glen Allen, Virginia. So this is right down the road. It's about an hour from where I live here in Charlottesville, Virginia. 22-year-old Lauren Kornacki, rescued her father, Alec, after the jack that was used to prop up his BMW slipped, pinning him underneath. Lauren lifted the car and then performed CPR on her father and saved his life. So if you want to uh, read more about this, just Google hysterical strength uh, Wikipedia, or we'll just plug this into the action plan. So we'll have the link to this in the action plan. Just go to jimharshajr.com slash action. You get the action plan from this episode and every episode. So if you hear something you like, but you don't have a chance to write it down, or you don't have time to listen to the whole episode, make sure you grab your copy of the action plan. But there are all these cases of hysterical strength mothers and fathers, you know, lifting up vehicles off of people to save their lives. And there's a lot of documented cases of this, but little evidence. We don't have any like video footage of this type of thing exactly. But we do know this. We do know that when there's a strong enough why, we figure out how. I'll give you another example. You ever heard of Team Hoyt? This is Dick and Rick Hoyt. They're a father-son duo. And Rick Hoyt is the son. He has cerebral palsy. And when he was a child, he told his dad that he wanted to run in a race. And his dad said, sure, I'll push you. And, and he, this is called push assist. And he did it. And his son absolutely loved it. You may have heard this story before. Well, Dick, the father, he was not by any stretch, he was not an endurance athlete, but his son loved this so much that he decided he was going to do another race. Well, years later, Dick and Rick get inducted into the Hall of Fame for USA Triathlon. Actually, January of 2020, when I'm recording this, they got inducted into the USA Triathlon Hall of Fame because of everything that they had done over the years. I mean, unbelievable what they have accomplished. They are the first push assist team to compete in and complete the world championship Ironman in Kona. 
Their list of feats goes on and on. They've competed in well over a thousand endurance events, well over 1,000 endurance events, including 72 marathons, uh, a half a dozen Ironman triathlons. They run the Boston Marathon 30 sometimes. I read 32 on one website, 37 on another website. They biked and ran across the United States in 1992, completing the full 3,735 miles. They did this in 45 days. And how do they do this? You think, well, for the running portion, Dick pushes Rick basically in a, in a push assist cart, essentially. And for the swim portions of triathlons, Dick uses a rope attached to his body to pull Rick, who's sitting in a boat. They've got a you know, specially designed tandem bike for the biking portions. It's, you know, this is how they do it. And it works. They've found a way, Dick found a way to do something that, that he would never have done before. Like, why was he able to do this? How was he able to find the strength to do something, to do to go racing over a thousand events, which it's not what he does. You might say that's great for, for somebody who this is who they are and what they do, but this is not what he did. But here's why. And here's how the first of two ways to get yourself to do what you don't want to do. Discover your why. And yes, I know you've heard that before, but have you actually done that? Have you actually done the work to figure out your why? What is it that drives you? What is it that you're passionate about? And it doesn't have to be your career. This was not Dick's career. This is not what he did full time. He had a job, but this was his passion. This became his mission in his life to see his son smile and to do, have this shared experience with his son and then go on to inspire millions around the world. This is his why. If you have a big enough why, you'll figure out the how. If you have a big enough why, someone's pinned under a vehicle, you'll figure out the how. If you have a big enough why, you can create that business. You can become a morning person like I did. I started waking up at 5 a.m. to build this business. I knew why. If you have a big enough why on the day before vacation to get everything done, you know, 12 hours of work in an eight hour day, you're going to get it done. If you have a strong enough why, you're going to figure out the how, but you have to do the soul searching. You have to go deep. You can't just kind of have this secondary conversation going on in your head right now while you're listening to a podcast. You actually have to sit down do the work, whether that's uh, uh, journaling or signing up for a program or working with a coach or sitting down with a, you know, creating a mastermind group where you can explore this, finding a workbook that you can go through and figure this out. This can look in a lot of different ways too. the outcome of, of figuring out your why you can write a purpose statement, which actually it's something that I do with certain clients of mine who really want to figure out that purpose. We'll do a, a half day or sometimes a full day session where we'll, at the end of it, have a draft of a purpose statement. It's so powerful. You can create a vision statement for your life. You can create a, a mission statement. You can do the work to identify your core values that you want to live in alignment with. These are all related. So by the way, don't ever let someone tell you, oh, you have a mission statement. <sighs> you need a purpose statement. 
Oh no, you have a purpose statement. I don't know. You need to have a vision statement for your life. Like these are all related. Like there's sometimes I get, you know, you get caught up, you hear some people, oh, they, this uh, guru says I need to have a mission statement for my life. And darn it, I did a purpose statement. Man, I, I missed the boat on that one. <laughs> no, it's all about going deep. It's all about soul searching. It's all about figuring out who you are and what drives you. Have you taken the time to do that work? You are capable of incredible things. Like if you have a strong enough reason why you can accomplish whatever it is that you want, you have to cultivate that why. You have to do the deep work. That's where I start with my clients and we figure out what drives them. Have you taken the time to figure out what drives you? I mean, if you're interested in that, you know, you, you can do that work on your own or you can sign up. You can grab a call with me if you want. You can jump on the call and, and uh, you find a time on my calendar. Just go to jimharshawjr.com slash apply and you and I can have a one-time coaching conversation to help you start to do that work. All right, so that's number one, discover your why. You've heard that before. Ah, Jim, come on. I heard Simon Sinek's TED Talk about that. Give me something juicy. Well, I'm going to give you something juicy here next, but I do want you to understand that fundamental truth of having to understand your purpose and your core values and what drives you. All right, number two, second one, I work out a lot. I eat healthy. I do physically hard things. I enjoy splitting wood, a splitting mall in my backyard. Uh, this is how I was raised. I was raised in Pittsburgh. My dad was a sheet metal worker. My mom, she'd go deer hunting with my dad. She would split wood. My mom split wood. She had her own splitting mall instead of a uh, set of wedges for splitting wood. If you never split wood by hand, you know what those are. This is what she did. This is the world that I grew up in. We had massive gardens in our yard that my sisters and I would tend to all summer at my dad's instruction. I mean, we grew corn and beans and beets and asparagus and squash and watermelon. Oh man, on and on. I'm missing about a dozen more things, but we grew all this stuff in our yard and, and we ate from the land. You know, we ate from our garden. We, we hunted, you know, so deer and rabbits and squirrel and yes, squirrel, by the way. So I got a funny quick story. My wife, whenever I, whenever, <laughs> whenever she first came to my house, my mom and dad's house to have her first meal, my parents, my dad served squirrel. That's right. California girl, San Diego comes to my house for the first time. And what does she have? But she has, well, we had squirrel for dinner, but she didn't have it. My wife, Allie said, you know, you can take the girl out of California, but you can't take the California out of the girl. <laughs> so anyway, this is, this is what we did. This is how I lived. This is how I grew up, right? Just blue collar, steel town, Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh Steelers, uh, this is the fabric of my being, this work ethic. My mom and dad are the hardest working people that I know. And, you know, this is, you know, this is the world that I grew up in. I didn't know any different. I go to the University of Virginia, which is, you know, it's an elite school and a different world for me. It was a shock for me going to the University of Virginia from where I grew up, a country boy, blue collar family, you know, it was a first generation college student. Go to University of Virginia. I'm on the wrestling team. Most of my teammates did not grow up in an environment anything like mine. We take three of my teammates. Uh, I registered that year. So if you're not familiar with college athletics, uh, you have five years to complete four years of 
competition. So you have one year you can use as a redshirt year, which means you can practice with the team, you can train with the team, but you can't compete. Well, in individual sports like wrestling, you can compete on your own if you pay your own way. So several of us were redshirting. We went to a tournament on our own dime. We drove up to Pennsylvania, stayed overnight at my mom and dad's house. There was four of us, me and three others. And these three others were very, very well off. I mean, they grew up in a totally different, I mean, one guy had a swimming pool, indoor swimming pool in his house. And another guy is worth, I mean, just totally different, completely opposite, opposite worlds. I mean, to the extreme, to the farthest extremes. And they sleep in my house and, you know, we lived in a very small, humble home, uh, loving home, awesome place, but not what they were used to. We woke up the next morning. This is February in Western Pennsylvania, mind you. So very cold, snow on the ground. We jump in the back of my dad's pickup truck. He had a cap on it, but he fires up the propane heater in the back and we bundle up and we sit there for two hours driving to this tournament where my dad drops us off in the tournament (laughs) in the back of a pickup truck in the winter. And, um, just a totally different normal experience for me. I mean, this is how I grew up and these guys were like, what in the world is going on here? But for me, it was normal. That was the water that I swam in. That was just the, you know, fish doesn't know the water. They don't know if they're in salt water or fresh water. They just occupy the water that they're in, that they were born in. They don't know any different. Well, I didn't know any different either. And so that's where my work ethic comes from. Um, That's why I enjoy doing hard things. And I love to work with my hands. And I don't mind discomfort maybe because that's just what I've, I've been used to. But that was my identity, right? And again, mind you, I'm talking about the second way to get yourself to do hard things that you don't want to do. And I'll give you another example before I reveal this to you. Years ago, so about five or six years ago, I had decided I wanted to do a half a marathon, half marathon. Why? Well, for my whole life, I told myself, I don't like running. I suck at running. I'm not a good runner. It's just not me. I don't do that kind of thing. Well, I was telling myself this story, but I was like, wait a second, what if I change my language? What if I actually start saying, I'm starting to enjoy running? I'm actually becoming a better runner. What if I started saying that to people in conversation? Because I'd work out with people and they say, you want to go for a run? I'm like, ah, I don't, I'm not a runner. I don't run. I don't like running. It's not my thing. What if I started changing that language? Well, I did. I started changing that language, signed up for a half marathon, completed, enjoyed it, loved the training, completely, you know, I've since done a, a marathon. But I changed that story changed the language that I was telling myself. And here's what I did. I began to change my identity. And that's the second way to get yourself to do something that you don't want to do, or you can't seem to get yourself to do consistently. Or maybe better than saying change your identity, it's actually this, actually uncovering the piece of your identity that does enjoy that, that does embrace that, and bring that to the surface. That piece of your identity that is consistent, or maybe the piece of your identity who sets goals and follows through on them, or the piece of your identity that wakes up and runs every morning, or that loves to make sales calls, or whatever that thing is for you. The piece of your identity that doesn't eat junk food. The piece of your identity that is willing to do hard things. The piece of your identity that loves to wake up early. The piece of your identity that is kind and patient and caring for your family. The piece of you that loves to volunteer in the community. The piece of you that has high goals, high aspirations, and actually lives them out. Does the scary things that moves you towards those goals. That is what I'm talking about when I say change your identity or uncover the piece of your identity 
that that is true for. You know, we hear story stories about people like David Goggins. He's the former Navy SEAL who set the world record for pull-ups several years back. He doesn't do this because like there's a, a real purpose or a why behind it. He does these things in large part because that's his identity. Sure, he might have, you know, like to prove this to himself or to the world, but but really, I mean, and he's not doing this for like cancer awareness or to raise money. He's doing it because that's who he is. That's his identity. This is different than Dick Hoyt. Dick Hoyt, this was not his identity, but he had a why, he had a driving purpose behind it, and it eventually became his identity. What's the opposite for people like David Goggins? This is his identity. This is who he is and what he does. So how do you go about this? How do you go about changing your identity or finding or uncovering that piece of your identity that is going to allow you to do those things that you want to do or be more consistent at? Well, I'm going to read a quote from James Clear, author of Atomic Habits, a fantastic book. And he said, to change your behavior for good, you need to start believing new things about yourself. You need to build identity-based habits, identity-based habits. That's, you know, if you want to lose weight, move your body daily. You want to be patient, meditate daily. Now, here's where I disagree is he says the key to building a lasting habit is focusing on creating a new identity first. What I really want to encourage you to think about is this, find that identity within you because it's there. If you're thinking about it and you want it, that identity is there. You just have to uncover it. So it's not about habits, but it's about beliefs. It starts with beliefs, be, do, have, as opposed to do, have, be, which is what most people operate with. The idea of do, have, be, which is incorrect is this, if I do the things, then I will have the things and then I will become that person, right? If I do the sales calls, then I will have the money and then I will be the successful person. No, it's the other way around. Be, be that person now, be that person inside of you. Be the person who makes the sales calls. Be the person who they're supposed to do 10 sales calls a day. I do 15. Be the person now. That will lead you to doing the things, which will lead you to having the things. Okay. It starts with being, be that person. Now don't wait until you get something. You have that car parked in your driveway or that amount of money in your bank account or the scale says a certain thing about you. No, don't wait for that. Be the person now, because when you be that person, when you become that person, when you say those words, when you identify that part of your identity that that is true for, you will start living that out now. I said, I'm starting to get better at running. I'm starting to enjoy running. I found that piece of my identity. I started making that shift. These are words that we can use. Now, if you like this, if you think, yeah, I want to do that. I want to start moving down that road, Jim, go straight to episode 259, 259. If you listen to it, re-listen to it. If you've listened to it, make sure you get the action plan. Go to jimharshnerjr.com slash action, everything in there that you need to start using these, what I call it, nine weird mindset hacks that you can use to break limiting beliefs. Go listen to that right now. And when you combine these two things that I just talked about, your identity with your why, your purpose, when you combine those two, you're infinitely powerful, but you have to do the work. You can't just hit pause on this podcast or or scroll to the next podcast episode or go off to work or do whatever you're going to do for the rest of your day and not take action. 
you have to actually do the work. And again, if you want to do the work with me, there's other ways you can do this. If I'm one option for you, if you want to sign up for a call, jimharshnojr.com slash apply one time free coaching call, you can start to do that work. You can start to take action because if you have thought about this for years, but you've not taken action, what are you waiting for? Take action right now. Take the first step. If you enjoyed this episode, please give it a share. This is episode number 267. Just tell your friends, check out episode 267 of the Success Through Failure podcast. You can send them a link, jimharsherjr.com slash 267. Also, if you like this, could you please leave a rating and a review? A rating and a review goes a long way towards helping this podcast reach more people. So you're sharing it, share it with one person or sharing it on social media or giving this episode or uh, this podcast a rating and review really helps. I appreciate you tuning in. As always, take the time to get clear on your goals and embrace failure as a stepping stone on your path to success. Thank you.